covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you in to another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as we continue through the offseason of the baseball calendar, one of the slower periods of time during the year. Free agency open, but it really doesn't pick up uh, until you get to the winter meetings. There's a signing here, a signing there, but it's pretty slow. And if it's anything like last year's free agency, it's going to be slow for a while. That's a We're going to talk about that in a future podcast about whether or not to expect another slow offseason this year across baseball because I think that's a really, really big deal, a really big deal, not just for the Brewers, not just for this season, but I think it has implications in terms of the relationship between uh, the players and the owners. So that's going to be a conversation on a uh, future podcast. We've got a bunch of things to get into on a future podcast. The focus of today's podcast, though, is going to be part three of our three-part conversation. So the final part of our three-part conversation with Brad Ford from Brew Crew Ball. Now, if you're joining us today and you've not listened the last couple weeks and uh, you're into this sort of thing, you might want to go into the archives because what we have done with Brad, this is the second year in a row that we've done this, and it's a lot of fun. We have gone back through the minor league seasons and kind of done a deep dive on the different prospects. And two weeks ago, we focused in on players who spent time predominantly at AAA or AA. Last week, it was uh, the individuals who were at single A, both with uh, Wisconsin and Carolina. And this week, we're going to focus on players who uh, were drafted this past season, played short season ball uh, this past year as well. So that conversation is going to be coming up in just a while. Do you want to start by making mention to the fact that the Brewers this past week, it was actually this past Monday, so it was just a little while after last week's, the most recent podcast before this one, uh, last week's podcast dropped, that the Brewers filled out the coaching staff for Craig Council. As they had a couple openings, Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, leaving somewhat unexpectedly. Darnell Coles resigned uh, his position as well. Some individuals were not asked back as well. And all that being said, the the staff is now full. Uh, We had previously told you that Andy Haynes was going to become the team's new hitting coach. He Again, we talked about it previously, but it was just officially announced this past week. The new pitching coach is Chris Hook. He is someone who has been in the organization for a while, serving as the organization's uh, pitching coordinator. And then you also have a new bullpen coach in Steve Carsey and uh, Jason Lane. He is going to be back as the assistant hitting coach. That was not uh, guaranteed until the announcement this past week. It's hard for me to sit here and tell you what's going to change, what's going to stay the same, so on and so forth. I think more things are going to be the same than different with these new folks, especially from a pitching standpoint. Without a doubt, Chris Hook believes in the Brewers' pitching philosophy, and not only has he been teaching that philosophy, he's been teaching the teachers because as the pitching coordinator in the organization, the different minor league pitching coaches have reported back to him. 
So he's been working with all the guys coming up through the minor league system. Before he was pitching coordinator, he was also a pitching coach in the system, worked with a lot of the individuals who are going to be uh, pitchers on the big league roster next year. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to take anything away from Derek Johnson. I think the world of Derek Johnson, I think he's going to be a really, really good pitching coach. Uh, I think he's. I think he is a really good pitching coach, and I think he's going to continue to do a really nice job uh, in Cincinnati where he's going to. The big question, and this is going to be the thing I'm probably, of all the early storylines right now for the 2019 Brewers, the thing I'm probably most interested in is watching uh, Chris Hook and the way, if there's any differences with Brewers pitchers this year. Because I think the Brewers have a philosophy, and I, I think Derek Johnson did a really good job of coaching that philosophy. And Johnson also, he always talked about, you know, being your best self, you know, finding the ways to go about, uh, you know, putting together the, uh, the, just pitching to your potential is basically what it was. And that's something that whether it was identifying a pitch that a pitcher could add, uh, taking a pitch away, whatever it might be, that was something he was really good at. And we don't really know if Chris Hook's going to be good at that or not, I I we have a little bit of an idea based off his time in the organization, but all 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 signs would indicate, yeah, he's going to be good in that area. But it's it's the philosophy that the Brewers have utilized and implemented, uh, and we saw it on full effect in September with the forty man rosters, and then into the postseason when there were more off days, so you're able to do some things differently then. And there, it's going to be used uh, how how September and October leads the Brewers to using pitching in April, May, June, July, August. We'll just have to wait and see what it's going to look like, if it's going to look any different than kind of the conventional way of going about pitching. I think it's going to be fairly conventional during most of the regular season, but I would also expect that the Brewers do start to do some of their more unique sort of things once they have the availability to do so with either the expanded rosters or the extra off days as they get into September and potentially October of next year. Last year, not the the past season, but the year before, if you remember when they got into September and had expanded expanded rosters, they utilized pitching a little bit different as well. So it's two years in a row where pitching has been somewhat unique late in the season. So Chris Hook's going to come in and try to continue to uh, push forward the Brewers' philosophy. And we'll kind of learn, again, not taking anything away from Derek Johnson because he's a really good pitching coach, but we are going to learn as the year goes along, is it is it just as important about the system and the philosophy and finding people to s- step into that and try to go about pitching that way, or is it more about the actual pitching coach? And if it is more about the actual pitching coach, how does Hook compare to Derek Johnson? Again, I've, if you're looking for answers from me right now, I'm not going to give you answers. I'm just kind of throwing out the things to uh, watch out for in the future. Uh, Darnell Coles did a really good job as a hitting coach. Andy Haynes is someone, man, he has grinded and grinded and grinded. A uh, guy who started uh, coaching outside of even affiliated baseball, has some independent baseball, some collegiate summer league stuff, uh, got into uh, got into affiliated baseball, worked his way up as a hitting coach and as a minor league manager, and 
he's somebody who's going to come in and uh, put his imprint on this team. Uh, bullpen coach and Steve Carse, a guy who's been a, a minor league uh, pitching coach, and uh, you know, at times it's good to just get a different voice onto the coaching staff, a different voice, uh, different voices on the coaching staff, and I think that might be the case right here. Not that Lee Tunnel did a really nice job uh, with the Brewers, but at some point in time as you continue to make strides, it might be good just to get a different perspective on what's going on, and uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest uh, pluses for that. We'll learn more about these guys moving forward uh, as we get towards the uh, on-deck event and, and things like that, but that's kind of my general thoughts on the announcement that was made this past week on the finalization of the coaching staff. That was going to be a big part of our headlines of the week. That being said, let's get to this week's headlines of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's headlines of the week. Clearly what we just talked about, the official announcement, Andy Haynes, new hitting coach, Chris Hook, new pitching coach, Steve Carsey, new bullpen coach, Jason Lane back as assistant hitting coach. So that's um, that's the, 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 those guys joined the staff. Uh, Brewers also have hired a new head athletic trainer, uh, Scott Berenger, he was the uh, Astros' assistant athletic trainer for the past two years. And, of course, uh, David Stearns came to the Brewers from the Astros organization. So it's not going to be odd to continue to see individuals who uh, worked in the Astros organization to make their way into the Milwaukee organization. Uh, Brewers had to place players on the 40-man roster this past week if they want to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. And they do place two players onto the 40-man roster, right-hander Trey Shupak and also outfielder Troy Stokes Jr. A number of individuals who were left off of the 40-man roster. Jake Gatewood, who according to MLB Pipeline is the number 10 prospect in the organization. He is going to miss most of this upcoming season, so he will probably not be selected in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, Cody Ponce, who's the number 17 uh, player in the organization. Carlos Herrera, number 28. Those are the uh, top 30 prospects who have been made available. And then also uh, some other uh, inter- I'm a little bit surprised. John Olchak was uh, left available. He went and played in the Arizona Fall League. So when you when you put players in the Arizona Fall League, you generally think pretty highly of them. You only get uh, a finite amount of spots there. But he has been uh, left available. Bubba Derby, uh, Phil Bickford, uh, among the individuals who could get plucked away in the Rule 5 draft. And we've just got to wait and see what's going to happen. That's going to be coming up in the month of December. It's a short version of this week's headlines of the week, but those are indeed this week's headlines of the week. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is our third part of our three-part segment. We do this every year. When I say every year, we did it last year and we're doing it this year. And hopefully the podcast is still here next year as well and we can do it again uh, as we go down on the farm. We've been doing a three-part conversation with Brad Ford of Brew Crew Ball, breaking down all aspects of the minor leagues. Two weeks ago, you can find it in the archives. We did AAA, AA, also mentioned uh, currently the Arizona Fall League. Last week, we did the two single-A clubs, High A Carolina, Low A Wisconsin. And this week, we're going to focus in on the short-season clubs 
and guys who were drafted uh, this past year. Brad, welcome back on. I think I think we're making history. I think this is the first time ever that we've had a guest on the podcast every single week for four weeks in a row. Last year, you set the record with three when we did this, but this year you did the uh, the social media conversation like three weeks ago. So now this is your fourth straight appearance on the podcast. You've set a record. Yeah, just make me the uh, co-host already, Polly. I'm working on it. We gotta <laughs> we gotta go to the uh, to the budget po- folks and see what we can do there, right? Right. Uh, well, now you have that in with the new ownership group. Maybe I know some people who can really get this ball rolling. Fair enough. Fair. Which, by the way, if people don't know, uh, WTMJ is now part of the Good Karma Brands, which is also ESPN Milwaukee, and people can hear uh, sports radio on a full power FM signal in Milwaukee in the area on 94.5 FM. It's really cool. Uh, did a show there the other day, so uh, that's good stuff. But also good stuff, the Brewers uh, short season clubs. And specifically, before we get into individuals, we talked about it a few weeks ago with Colorado Springs losing AAA and the Brewers having their AAA affiliate in San Antonio. Well, the Brewers aren't leaving Colorado Springs, but Colorado Springs is now going to be a short season club. It's going to be the Helena Brewers moving to Colorado Springs. And Brad, as much as we might have moaned and complained about some of the facility issues uh, that existed at Colorado Springs for AAA, that's going to be a palace for short season ball. Uh, and that's a that's going to be a nice thing for uh, for the Brewers to have, to have their uh, short season club, what was the Helena Brewers, now going into Colorado Springs. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about is that they'll be equipped with a capable TV situation, so they might be able to broadcast games more regularly. And I am, like, straight out geek stoked about that. Like, I am pushing up the glasses on my nose that I don't wear, dusting off the notebooks and getting ready to watch some short season baseball if they can actually make that regular airing of their games work because that'll be really exciting because these are guys we never really get to see on a regular basis there's a couple short season affiliates that have capability to do tv but only a couple of the organizations that are out there uh in the pioneer league uh disappointed i have some relationships with some of the folks at helena and i know it was a little rough for them you know their season ending but i know it's a fantastic group out there and they're all going to land on their feet um so i think it's an exciting but bittersweet scenario for uh what's happening out there i I can't speak for the folks in colorado springs but it makes sense what you're saying they already have the infrastructure to do milb.tv so hopefully they do just use what they already have in place and continue to broadcast those games. Right. And even if it's what a lot of the Pioneer League teams do, which is a single camera viewpoint, that'll be better than right now, which is nothing. Yeah. All right, let's get into some of the guys. And we can't can't start. I would not be doing my job if we did not start by talking about Bryce Terang, who appears in 29 games, 268, top draft pick. It was a last-second decision on whether or not he was going to end up signing with the club. What did you see out of him in his first uh, 29 games in the Brewers organization? Uh, He came as advertised. Looked great defensively, um, had a very good uh, contact rate, uh, played so well that he was not even challenged in the Arizona League, so they just bumped him right up to Helena, uh, where he was challenged a little bit more. Uh, power, uh, I wouldn't say dropped, uh, but he wasn't as substantially hitting the ball as hard as he was before. But um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the Tristan Lutz scenario where they start him off at Wisconsin. If he does well at Wisconsin this year, um, then bring him her, then he stays there. Or if he struggles, he comes back down for short season. They've done that a few years now with some of their top guys who are younger. Um, I would not be surprised at all if that's the route they go with Terang. Uh, he looks very capable, looks potentially to be a fast riser, has a great tool set where he's either major league average or above on a lot of things. Um, and he does everything well, but nothing spectacular. Um, but I think he's going to be a really good her like we haven't had a person who's risen through quickly in the organization as a high schooler in a long time and i think he has the potential to be that prospect i'll be honest i'd completely forgotten that he started at arizona i just looked at the numbers and saw he played in uh, 13 games at arizona i would have if somebody would have asked me this morning i would have said he was immediately placed with helena so uh yeah that that's just kind of funny how you know a lot of times i'm a little surprised on that too like retroactively surprised that that he didn't go straight to helena Right, and it's some of those things where he had a long period off, so it's kind of just knocking the very little rust that there is. Because, I mean, high school ball ends more or less right before the draft, depending on where they play. He's in California. Generally, they go a little bit later, um, depending on if they make the playoffs or not. And then he has the month in between signing um, and the draft. Uh, takes a lot, So he has that like layoff period. So he comes into Arizona, just knocks the rust off a little bit obviously is not challenged at all and they just move him on up my guy javon ward left-handed hitter hit 307 this year he looks like he should be a home run hitter when you look at him he only had two home runs which bums me out because he looks like a home run hitter but uh, uh a guy who i like the numbers he put up got on base close to uh, almost a 400 on base maybe you'd like that to be a little bit more but i'll take the numbers javon ward put up yeah, a very good season, uh, came with a lot of regard, and a, he was a big signing for a 12th round pick in 2017, uh, a guy who they didn't really, a lot of people didn't really expect them to be able to sign, but they were able to lock in with the amount of cap room that they had, uh, and performed a little bit more up to expectations, uh, did a lot better with making contact on the ball, limited his strikeout rate, uh, where he's actually striking out less than a strikeout per game now, which is a fantastic thing that hopefully he can continue uh, keeping on. Um, power will come. He's six foot five and 190 pounds, which is blow away in the wind skinny. So as he continues to add muscle, which generally we start to see huge muscle gains in prospects at age 2021, 20, which he'll be 20 in October of next year, I think. Yes, 20 in October of next year. So he's still very young. Um, so as he continues to add muscle, I, he's projected to be a power speed combination. Um, pretty fast guy. Struggles a little bit running the pace fast. Still pretty raw. Um, and that was his, why he fell out of the top 10 rounds in his draft was because of how raw he was. And people thought he needed more refinement that wasn't worth spending that money on him to get him as late as they wanted to draft him. Um, but he definitely has potential to be a superstar. And he started showing some of those tools this season. Uh, another guy's top 30 prospect. Uh, I hope I get his name correctly. Yaisan Koka. I hope I get that right. 281 uh, this past season. Uh Three home runs, 21 RBIs in 68 games. Again, Brad, I, I'm asking all these questions. It's really tough when we're talking about these young guys playing short season ball. It's really tough to evaluate them just based off these numbers. It's such a small sample size. Yeah, um, and good news, I do have some additional information because he was a big get. And do you know which trade, Matt? 
Uh, the Boston trade. Oh, okay. The right. Boston trade. The Boston. So was he the was he the player to be named late? Was that the, yes, was, he okay? Was. There, it's all yes, coming back was. to me because I remember I remember talking about it on this podcast when that happened about how that trade without the added player was already a ridiculous trade, and then that was the add-on, which is like how how did this trade even happen? Right, and had he not been injured, um, a lot of the uh, MLB prospect writers said that uh, he would have been top 30 when he came into the Brewers organization, but he was dealing with an injury at the time, which delayed his appearance at, uh, you know, Arizona league comes in, has a really good appearance in the pioneer league is a little slow to get going. Um, but he has that like very traditional shortstop, uh, second base build, uh, similar to Mauricio Dubon. He doesn't have Dubon speed, but you know, very similar, reliable fielder, um, He's probably somewhere in like he's a good fielder, but not but also offensively capable. Um, only 19 turns 20 this coming May. A guy I would take note of a guy I'm excited about in the system. I expect him to be in Wisconsin. Um, if he continues adding power, there's chances that he sticks at second base and just becomes a predominantly second baseman with a little pop. Um I would say of the three between Dubon, RC, and him, he has the best offensive profile. Uh, but if he adds too much bulk, he won't be as good of a defender as he is right now. What do you think of what Chad McClanahan did? He's a corner infield guy. He played mostly first base, had a few games at third base. Good power numbers, eight home runs, 923 OPS in 49 games. Uh, drove in a fair amount of runs as well. Yeah, um, I mean, got that little taste of Wisconsin, and I think well-deserved. Um, but a guy, it's always hard, especially to evaluate box scores with the, how friendly a hitting environment the Pioneer League is. Uh, it's probably the second most friendly organization behind Colorado Springs, which Arizona is also a pretty easy hitting environment. Um, but I would say he finally showed kind of what we expected out of him. When the Brewers got him in round 11, it was very similar to Ward where, People were shocked that they were able to sign him. They, he kind of was signed as a guy who was going to go to college and be a top three, not a top three draft pick, but in the first three rounds, um, you know, repeats in the Helena. Um, and this time actually has a very good offensive year. His first good offensive year in the org swing looks very cleaned up, has good power potential. I see him more as a third baseman, um, but someone I know a lot of people in the organization are excited about and should be a reliable third baseman for the crew um, with major league potential. Um, and if he keeps developing, he could be um, a top three prospect for years because he has that potential throughout, uh, you know, bigger guy, six foot five, handles the ball well um, defensively. And really has a good power stroke. When we're talking about short season, there's, I mean, there's so much optimism about these guys, and there's so many guys that uh, you don't know what they're going to turn into. So we could sit here and talk about almost every guy on the roster. It's really tough to uh, really focus in on a guy here and a guy there. So I'm going to move on to the pitchers because there's a few guys at from the pitching standpoint that I want to ask you about. And uh, Aaron Ashby's a guy who's drafted as a great bloodline, family pedigree, uh, and is somebody who his numbers were actually a little bit better. Maybe we should have talked about him when we talked about the Timber Rattlers where he had a 2.17 ERA at, uh, when he was doing short season ball with Helena. He only had a 6.20 ERA in six games, but I think there's a lot of people who are excited about what this guy might turn into. Yeah, um, 
I am one of those people. Uh, talking to him when I interviewed him when the, he was signed to the crew, he had a lot of really interesting things to say. Seems to be a very, very smart pitcher. Talks about how he mixes up his timing on the mound, be, and he's something he figured out on his own when he was at community college or junior college. Um, listening to his hitting coach talk to the hitters and how important timing was. So he's like, well, if timing is important to hitters, I'm going to screw it up in my delivery. So he learned to take these stutter steps and these nuances in his uh, wind up and uh, his stretch that really messes with hitters. And I thought like just listening to him talk about the way he approaches the game, he seems incredibly intelligent. Um, He's someone I'm very high on. I know it's early in his career and probably not deserving, but he's probably, up there with Trey Supak or Shupak in terms of pitchers, I'm excited about behind Zach Brown in the organization. So he's one of the top two behind Zach Brown in the minor league system right now, where I'm like, I think this guy can be something. Um, and I think Ashby really has that. He has a really good fastball um, and a great curveball slider. A lot of people call it a slider. He calls it a curveball, has really tough or he calls it a slider a lot of people call it a curveball because it has that arcing break um but something that uh hitters struggle with and people actually struggle to catch um i'm really really high in this guy um a guy that i was kind of excited about to see what he would do because i i he put up good numbers in college and he's it's Scott Sonich, and he's another guy who actually pitched better at the Timber Rattlers than he did with Helena, but he's a, he's a left-hander. Uh, I, I don't – look, he's probably not going to be a big league guy, but when we're talking about guys at this level, it's about finding those those diamonds in the rough, and the Brewers are, are really good at finding those guys, and this guy maybe profiles as somebody who can continue to excel. Again, he's a college guy, so you it's really tough to evaluate these guys' numbers uh, when they're – you know it's a college guy going against a guy who may have just graduated high school, but overall I, I like what he's done so far. Yeah, uh you know, he has a decent fastball, normally hovers in the mid-90s, I believe. Um, and um, I like him, too. I uh, see him as more of a reliever profile, a little bit shorter than you'd like at 6'1", um, but tall enough where if he makes it through the system as a starter, which is where they'll try him as first, he'll be fine. Um, I think he, you know, just judged off his profile and scouting him out of college. I think he has a good reliever profile. He has two really good pitches. Um, command can be iffy. It comes and goes. Um, but, uh, overall someone I, I really like, uh, as a late draft pick and someone I do think has potential. I was pretty hard last time on some of the Wisconsin players and, you know, saying like they're org guys, that's just their future. And I don't really feel that way with Sunich. I think he's someone who has the potential to make an impact on the major league team. Uh, more so than some of the other players. Someone I know you're pretty high on. He only appeared in three games uh, there with uh, with Helena, but uh, Lunzao, three games, 2.25 ERA, gives up uh, just a run over the course of uh, of four innings. This isn't a guy that I know a whole lot about, but you're excited about him. Yeah, it was an international signing that they made late in the year. Um, He comes in at 17 when they signed him to a minor league free agency in her minor league free agency in June. Um, and it was like to me like a first round draft pick he has a great fastball great secondary stuff already good command and instead of introducing them like they do most international prospects 
they threw him into the Dominican Summer League. They throw him right into Arizona. He has a little success at Arizona. He gets about four innings at both levels and then goes right up to Helena where he gets some more time. Um, I really think he has a lot of potential. I know a lot of international – my friends who do keep tabs on the international free agents were – ecstatic and surprised that this signing happens it seemed to come out of nowhere um but this seems to be like a guy we ripped out of the potential of going to um some of the international teams and then having to be posted later on in his career um i I think it was a really good and surprising get all right, this is the worst interview question that you can ask, and I'm going to do it again. Uh, but you are so much more in tune with what's going on, especially with these short season guys, than quite honestly I am. That's why we have you on, because you know uh, so incredibly much about it. I, I, I have a cursory understanding of what's going on, but are there, is there anybody else that I didn't mention that we really need to be talking about, to be fair? Uh, I'm going to go through just a couple of guys real quick. Um, David Fry, a guy who was drafted this year, uh, plays catcher first base, played a little bit at uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, has a really good power profile, uh, was the MVP of his college, which was a lower level college. Um, Really like his offensive profile. I'm interested in seeing what he does. I would be remiss if I didn't mention LJ Castillo because he constantly reminds me how he's going to be the greatest player ever. He reminds me personally how he's going to be the greatest player ever. Uh, someone I'm really high on there, up with Javon Ward, um, had a lot of success, a 707 OPS, um, dangerous on the base paths, runs like hell. Um, that's it for really for offensive guys. Um, although I do like Nick Ignat- or Ignatuck. I never know how to pronounce his last name. I apologize, Nick. I've interviewed you. I've to- talked to you. You told me your last name, and I always forget it. Uh, but he struggled, so I think he's going to probably repeat at Helena next year like a Chad McClanahan. Um, and then in terms of pictures, even though his performance wasn't good, Max Lazar, uh, he has a really, really good pitching profile. Someone I think can have a lot of success. And then one of the top picks last year, Caden Lemons, uh, kind of limited in his appearances this year, had some time at Arizona, some time, or, but more time at Helena. Hard throwing, uh, really has a great breaking pitch, needs to be refined a little bit, uh, had a lot of stuff to work on, which delayed the start of his season, along with a little bit of an injury. Um, but he has potential superstar written all over him. The problem is there's a lot of lot to work on in terms of his delivery and skill. Um, but he's a guy I know not just I'm excited about, but a lot of other people are excited about. Yeah, I should, ask, I should do it. I should ask you about Lemons. He's the number 14 prospect in the organization. Clearly, he's a guy that people are very uh, curious about. All right, final team. And again, if you're just uh, listening to this podcast, haven't listened to the others, we did uh, AAA and AA two weeks ago. Last week, we did uh, the two single-A clubs, and today we're doing the two short-season clubs and focusing in also, uh, well, I guess they're part of it, but focusing in a little bit more on some of the recent draft picks. Let's go to uh, the Brewers affiliate in uh, the Arizona League, and let's start with uh, Larry Ernesto. He appears uh, five games. He gets up for five games uh, out of the Dominican League, 350 in those five games, has an 814 OPS, another guy that there's a lot of excitement about. Yeah, he's gigantic, um, and it looks like he's going to hit 50 home runs just by staring at pitches. Um, <laughs> he uh, He's a guy with who I really like as a right field potential. Uh, good arm, 
needs to refine his defense a little bit, uh, but offense first type of producer, um, great power profile, someone who is expected to continue growing. He you know, just turned 18 in September, so he'll be 18 for the season, switch hitter, um, and struggled a little bit in the DSL. Uh, they signed him late last year, so he wasn't able to jump onto a roster until earlier this year and uh, struggled a little bit. But still, once he got things going, really got things going. And uh, yeah, he looks like one of the biggest international signings the team's had in a long time. Micah Bella, number uh, 20 prospect in the organization, appeared in 39 games, 240, uh, one home run, 15 RBIs, 324 on base, 648 OPS. Uh, Bella, the, the numbers don't look great for him, but again, numbers really don't matter. Yeah, numbers don't matter. Um, I actually see him as having a Lorenzo Kane type profile with a little bit worse defense, like very similar in the offense. Uh, great average guy who can get on base, uh, makes a lot of damage in terms of stolen bases. Um, it's just hard to predict anyone will have that type of defensive impact like Kane. Um, it, but uh, a lot her I mean, he should be really good in center field, can cover a lot of ground, uh, plays very intelligently. Someone overall that um, I see having, and I don't like to predict younger people to have major league futures, but he just plays the game so intelligently. He seems like he's going to be a major leaguer the way you look at how he approaches everything. Um, You know, struck out a little bit more than you'd like to see, but he's a young guy and they're just swing happy. Another guy under the category of numbers don't matter, Joe Gray. He does not hit 200 in his 24 games. Uh, a guy who's a top 10 prospect in the organization was the uh, second round pick in the draft this past year. Yeah, uh, has kind of like a Domingo Santana profile where he can be a good right fielder, uh, power guy. Uh, the big concern about him is strikeouts, uh, but he dealt with a lot of injuries this year. I would expect to see him at Helena this year uh, once things get going. We're not Helena, sorry. That doesn't exist anymore at Colorado Springs this year um, <laughs> and have a lot of success. Or like He's a guy who I think can have a lot of success, um, has the tools to be a superstar, but the swing and miss is something that scares a lot of scouts about him. Um, but overall a fun player in the few opportunities you got to see him, someone who I like is just a fun person, plays the game with a lot of energy. And I think as he rises through, especially when he gets to inevitably gets to Wisconsin is going to be someone fans just cheer for just because of his personality. Uh, let's jump over to the pitching side of things. And Justin Jarvis appears in 10 games, uh, one and two, 6.63 yard. I feel like I have to say it every time. Numbers don't matter. Uh, but another guy to be, uh, to, to really keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, another top prospect drafted, her drafted in the fifth round. A guy some scouts thought was going to be a little bit difficult to find. Um, you know, pretty advanced for his age. Um, and, he has a very solid tool set that is something that gets me excited when you're talking about like younger pitchers i feel like the work the zone as well as jarvis does um and he just has a very intelligent approach to it uh can be a little bit raw but overall his control grades out very well he has a strong fastball sits in the low 90s but at six foot two 168 he's stick thin um and he'll be throwing harder as things go on um he could be mid to high 90s uh, at least grades out as a reliever in the major leagues 
um, has a changeup and a curveball that have great future grades. Um, and he, you know, struggled in his pro debut, but someone who, as the years go on, things can really work out well for him as he continues to fill out his frame and learn how to pitch at the her professional level. Luis Gonzalez, kind of same deal. Uh, he appeared in seven games. He was an eighth-round draft pick this past year and uh, struggled, but you would think that once he gets a chance to pitch in a full season or uh, at least get kind of more than just his feet wet in the, uh, at the, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, a very diamond in the rough coming from Puerto Rico. Not a lot of people knew a lot about him. Throws one hell of a fastball. Um, and I think it's always worth taking youth when they throw hard. Um, 19 will be 20 in May. Um, very rough. He's going to take some polishing. But uh, another guy, just with the way he already pitches at young age, you have to take that risk because if you polish him, he has the potential to be a superstar. Um, I think Luis Gonzalez's future really is reliant on the back end of a bullpen more so than anything else. Um, he's fairly aggressive, which normally doesn't lead to longer stints, but something where I think that'll play, or of course that is a valuable position for teams as, uh, and th- something that is even more valuable if they can just develop it rather than trade for it later on. Who we we spend all this time talking about the numbers not really mattering, but there I mean there was a ton of guys who did put up good numbers, and we've already mentioned Caden Lemons. We talked about him already, but he did have a one point three eight ERA. Um, there's you know a handful of guys had sub two ERAs at Arizona. Which which one of those guys maybe or not? It doesn't even have to be the sub two guys, but which of those guys actually impressed you with? their performance pitching at Helena, not so much just based off the potential that we've been talking so much about. Mitch McIntyre is one who I think is easy to look at. Undrafted free agent, 24, a little bit older, but as we've seen with Nate Orff, uh, undrafted free agents aren't someone you should give up on. Uh, They all have potential. He comes in with just his intelligence when it comes to pitching and working these less advanced hitters, really dominates them. Um, but he, he has a couple of good pitches, which are uh, things that really can be a benefit. And he's someone who, you know, he had a longer say at college. They ends up getting signed. But uh, I think he can make an impression on this organization and hopefully stick around for a while. Um, otherwise, I mean, the guys making impacts kind of follow that type of grade. It's a lot of older guys who... Uh, don't necessarily have a likelihood to make impact in terms of the pitching staff. Um, one, I mean, you look at Carlos Luna, a guy I know a couple of people have followed. Again, you know, someone who was signed as a free agent back in 2013, um, hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities due to injury, uh, misses all of 2016, 2017, comes in, has a pretty good 2018 with a 3.38 ERA um, in just about 30 innings. Uh, so there's diamonds in the rough, but he's 22 too. And yeah. even though he's been injured, he still is someone who's been learning to pitch, learning, uh, the intricacies of handling in a bat. And it's something that a lot of these 18 year olds who are playing in the Arizona league don't know how to handle. I was about to ask you the uh, who did I miss question, and I'll ask you that in a second, but I know who I miss. Carlos Rodriguez going back to position players, somebody that uh, I know you're high on. Yeah. Um, huge contact profile just hits like hell hit 323 at the dominican summer league in just five games at uh, arizona hit 350 um 
he's expected to be a very high average lefty playing the outfield that has the speed um little rough on the arm right now so he's projected to be kind of a left fielder center fielder type um not in all three outfield position uh power is not there power is something that really needs to be worked on but in terms of speed he has it and he's only 17 so power not being there isn't something to work on he'll turn 18 in december um the frame will fill out and he is someone that not i'm not just high on he was ranked as one of the top prospects in the order in all of the international free agency last year um and i know for a fact the organization is also high on uh so uh, Andy, he he looks to be like a plus fielder, even with a uh, not as good arm. The arm should get better as he grows, but right now it's not exceptional. Um, but he he hits a lot. He runs like a bat out of hell, and uh, you know he he does everything well, but hit the ball hard. All right, we'll get to my uh, my lazy question that I ask you at the end of these short season teams. I don't know as much about the guys. Who else should we be talking about? Um, I. I think it's pronounced Kike Rios, uh, another Hawaiian organization player, drafted in the 28th round. He's a catcher, drafted more for organizational depth, but the more I looked into him, uh, he had a pretty good offensive profile. So he's someone in the long term that I think that fans should note. Um, looking through the current roster, otherwise, Sipion uh, was another, Arbert Sipion had uh, drafted out of this year. Awful, awful debut. Uh, really rough around the edges, but someone who I like. Um, and then there is, looking at the pitching, um, Cam Robinson, very young guy, just 18 this year, um, turned 19 in September, but 18 for most of the season. Um, very good offensive profile and a Twitch streamer in the offseason. Um, someone I really like, really enjoy to interact with, and uh, – in the brief glimpses I gotten seems to have like that's st- the stuff off the mound that just makes your eyes pop. Um, I'm asking, otherwise, I, I'm, I mean, I can point out a lot of players here, but um, we're just going to have to see how they develop. Cause I could list potential for days. And that's really what the Arizona fall league is about is potential. I'm asking an old man question real quick. If you're a Twitch streamer, that means you play video games, right? I play video games on twitch.com. Okay, or esports. Like, am I being disrespectful to gamers if I say video games? No, 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 no. Okay. E- esports um, is only if you play it professionally. Gotcha. All so right. there's there's people who play video games like just stream, and it's kind of like a Patreon type aspect where you know how Patreon you can contribute um, money to people who are doing independent work that you enjoy. So you can give money to brewers, bloggers, if they have a Patreon, um, if you enjoy their work and and they have that Patreon going, um, one who just discontinued his work, but is pretty famous for his work is, uh, um, Kyle Lobner, who works a lot with the Wisconsin timber rattlers who did the frosty mug, but he is, uh, his schedule no longer permits him to do that, but what you could do was sign up for $2 and you'd get his article every day. Um, so that's kind of how the video game site works too, where if you just want to be those like casual people who are good at it, but not good enough to go pro, you can just have the stream going where you say like, okay, I'll do this video of you watching me play a video game Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then people can willingly either subscribe for, you know, a minimal amount and then give money to them as they do good performances over time. Um, 
I actually started a Brewers Twitch stream um, that we need to get going more consistently with a Brew Crew Ball, uh, folks. Um, that is not just video games, although I plan on incorporating video games into it because that is how the medium works. Um, but then there's also pro players who actually get paid to be on a team. The Bucks have one where there's a bunch of guys who are really, really good at NBA and girls um, who are really, really good at NBA basketball games. And they, uh, you know, get paid real wages to only play NBA 2K18 hmm. or 2K19, whatever it's on right now. Okay. All right. That's that's a good good answer. Uh, last... That's a glimpse into the video game world. I know you've cared so much about it for so long. Last thing for you, uh, just give me uh, give me your plug. What's going on over at Brew Crew Ball? Uh, so we're going through our off season previews, kind of keeping track and tabs on guys who the Brewers are going after or people we think they should go after. Um, I'm starting my preview of uh, the. Well, actually, what we'll be starting soon is the Brew Crew Ball Community Top Prospects, where the community actually decides the website's top prospects. It's not me making my top 30. Everyone has a vote, and you get to democratically elect who you think should be the uh, top guys in the system. So that'll be coming out, and with that, there will be a short synopsis on all the players that you elect. Um and, I mean, yeah, we're just trying to keep busy with off-season rumors and creating off-season rumors to have a little bit of fun. There you go. Hey, uh, Brad, thank you so much for uh, all the time over the last month or so, and uh, we appreciate uh, all your insight on all the minor league guys. Hey, love being here. Thanks for having me on. Brad Ford joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And uh, that's pretty much going to do it for uh, this week's edition. Just another reminder for you, uh, we did two weeks ago with Brad, we focused on prospects who uh, played this past year at AAA and AA predominantly, and then this past week uh, focused on individuals from uh, Wisconsin and Carolina, the uh, the two single-A affiliates for the Brewers. So if you missed those conversations, you can certainly find them in the archive and, uh, and enjoy doing that and just fun to kind of go through. We, we miss guys, and look, look, there's a lot to get into. It's kind of just a – it's an information dump. I get that. It's a little bit different than what we normally do on the podcast, and you got to be pretty into the minor leagues probably to uh, enjoy that because there is so much information, especially on a conversation like this, about guys who, for the most part, you may never see at Miller Park. And if you do, it's going to be quite some time. But for the folks who are into the minor leagues and want to get – uh, a pretty good feeling of what the Brewers have from a uh, from a prospect standpoint. That is a uh, that's a great way to do it. Over the course of those three conversations, you can get a pretty good idea of what's going on in the farm system for the Brewers. That is going to do it. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. By the way, I didn't even mention that at the beginning. I should have, but I'll uh, I'll wish you a happy Thanksgiving a few days late uh, at the end of the program today, and say look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.